With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's the Anfield Wrap, 6pm. Neil Atkinson, Phil Blundell, Ian Salmon and Adam Smith, 6pm. Really getting stuck into your New Year's weekend, Phil. They'll put us on a little bit early. You know why that is, don't you? Why? Because they know that you like to party. <laughs> That's why true. they want to get out the way. Yeah. They want to get you let, let you go earlier, Phil. You pulled rank. You said that's it. I've got. We've got to get box. Got to go faster. Uh, so you know you've you've made it happen uh, right here. But this is it's, it's a very full show in that we've got. A, there's two games to talk about. We're going to talk about Manchester City and Sunderland. It's a preview for both of them. Uh, and we've also got an elongated interview. Well, chat between me and David Mooney from the Blue Moon Podcast about the Manchester City game. So we'll end talking about the Sunderland game. We're going to start this part talking about the Manchester City game. And in fact, I will go to you first, Phil, on this one. It's the I keep saying it everywhere to go, and I think I'm almost getting boring about it. But the only shame about this for me is that Chelsea is six points clear. Because the reason why is because this game we've had it all sort of marked in our diary that it's going to be a massive game in the context of the title, and it is. But then there's a strong argument that by the time Liverpool and Manchester City kick off, Chelsea are nine points clear, and all the ways in which it could be a positive experience for both sets of fans mean that it becomes fraught with danger. Well, yeah, I mean, about a month ago, six weeks ago, you're looking at this thinking, oh, this could be first few seconds, it could be a a massive opportunity to to put City on the back foot, put a bit of daylight between us, and now we're basically going, it's a massive opportunity we're going into it. it. We're going into it to close a gap with Chelsea, as opposed to doing what you thought was going to be the case. I mean, I had to think about this yesterday, and I think it's pretty much impossible for a team who loses to win the league Do simply you? because, yeah, like I know it is possible to close a ten point gap, but. You've got to close the ten point gap on Chelsea, or nine points if it's us. If it's ten, it'd be ten points if it's City. It's nine points if it's us. But you've not just got to close that gap. You have then also got to outperform the other team. So City, for example, would have to close a ten point gap while simultaneously outperforming us. I just think that is a huge, huge ask, and it'd be a huge ask for us to be three points better than City for the whole season whilst also being nine or ten points better than Chelsea. I just think it's it's, it's a huge, huge night of football tomorrow. I think. Ian, it's it's and this is why it's it's huge in the wrong senses. I think initially when we're all looking at it in September and October, we're thinking well it might be an opportunity for one side to go two points ahead of the other or three or maybe even in a wild dream Liverpool win to go five clear of City. But then it could be that City win to go five clear of Liverpool. My points more is that it's now. It, it, it could well be loser loses all, and that's that's no way to play a game of football in, in at the end of December. No, I think you have to go into it with the the intention that winning is everything. I think you go into it with the same intention we've had for every game recently. Uh, the every game we play from now on is a must win game and has been for quite a long time. There are no games where you can afford to drop points. It, that might sound like the most ridiculous truism of all time, but more now than ever there are no games where you can afford to drop points you can't see where Chelsea are dropping points at the moment and our run of five home games from here on is the most difficult home games we could possibly have all season so we have to start it right we have to carry on we, we need we need the momentum to keep going and City City look dangerous with Aguero up front but I think we're good enough to take them and I think they look susceptible at the back 
Are we good enough to take them? Well, we are good enough to take them. Let's not, let's not argue about that, Adam. I think we are good enough to take them. I think my point would be, you know, uh, that this season Liverpool have... Sorry, Manchester City, let's talk about them first. That Manchester City have managed to... They've faced United, uh, beat them. They've, uh, they've uh, beaten Arsenal. Uh, they've, uh, they should have beaten Chelsea, but then didn't. And they've lost to Spurs. And that's been their other side games against the top six this season. So, you know, we can see, you, you can see that sort of as two and a half, maybe because they should have beaten Chelsea. They were the better side, but they didn't deserve anything against Spurs. And therefore, it's shown that they can turn it on a little bit. They can do a little bit. But that said, yeah, of course we can beat them. It's just then the football match is fraught with the idea of, well, it's not just that we can, it's that we've got to. Yeah, I think so. Um, but I think, you know, we're a better team than Tottenham. First of all, so you know that's worth making out of. In fact, I think we're we're a better team than all the other sides that you've just mentioned there. When the sum of our parts work together, um, and but it's a massive game. But then we've had massive games in the past. You know, Dortmund was a massive game. You know, it, the the and and it started badly, and we still and we responded to it, and we've responded to numerous setbacks and issues all through the season. So I'm I'm not. I'm not confident. I think it could finish 10-9, but I think if you were a Manchester... If I was offering you 10-9 now, would you take it? Yeah, definitely, 100%. Good man, good man. Uh, <laughs> I'm, in fact, I'm, I'm, I'm actively hoping for it now. Um, but if you, you know, if, if we were hey, Manchester... Imagine the internet bonus points if it now finishes 10-9. <laughs> yeah, love you, imagine the retweets. Yeah. Um, the, uh, yeah, I th- look, I think the thing is, it's, it is a massive game, but we, if we're on our best form then we can beat them. And I think if we were Manchester City fans now sitting around and having a conversation, we would be saying our defence is terrifying, Liverpool's attack is even more terrifying, I don't want those two things to be going up against each other. Liverpool Liverpool fans are worried about our defence, but actually it's not that bad. And if, if, and it is a big if, but if Aguero is rusty after four games out, that's even better. So, you know, our, I'd, I'd take our defence over cities, especially the makeshift defence they're going to have to put together at Anfield. Uh, and, you know, I think our I think our attack will be licking its lips right now. Yeah, completely. I couldn't agree more. I think, I think we are genuinely on our day, one-on-one against any team in the league, we are the best team in the league. I think the only team that worry me at the moment is Chelsea in the way they can grind it out. And they're grinding out the 1-0s. But I think we're... We're the best footballing team in the league by quite some distance. We play better football than anybody else. We can, we can take and we can beat anybody on our day. And even setbacks as much as the Stoke game. We go one down in the Stoke game. You've got Mark Hughes going, people will come to Anfield and they'll copy our, our performance. Well, yeah, good, because we won 4-1. Because we went, we took that 1-0 and we reacted in the right way and we won 4-1. We can do that. It's in our locker every day of the week. I'm intri- I, I think I know how we're going to approach it, Phil. I know. I think I'm quite comfortable with the fact that we're not going to... We're going to change what we do because the manager looks at the opposition. He does place the opposition's weaknesses and he does try to allow for the opposition's strength. But broadly speaking, it's going to be 4-3-3. Uh, it's going to be the same team as the other day, isn't it? It's not going to be... I, yeah. I can't see anything obvious that's going to get changed. Whereas Guardiola could do almost anything. But you, you try and pick their team, it's... I wouldn't even bother having a guess. I can't pick the formation. Teams. No, exactly. You, exactly. You can't even... Never mind picking the team. You can't pick who's going to play where. And even when you've got the team. It's very likely you won't actually be able to figure out what the formation is. 
And then the the approach for the different parts of the game could be very, very different. Sean Rogers often references Barcelona weren't afraid of going big diagonals against Valencia because Valencia had pushed them high up the pitch mm. in the early stages. Uh, it was discussed the other day that when uh, when Munich uh, when when, when uh, Guardiola's Munich came up against Klopp's Dortmund, he played Javi Martinez very, very close to the front to try to just counter the press by going long and hitting a big man. He's watched Mark Hughes's Stoke put two big men together on one tiny little nippy fellow who loves reading where the ball's going to bounce. Of course, behind you're never a big man, isn't it? Uh, well. Could they push IR off the front is he that type of player has he ever been like the type of player you'd have thought is a like a hold up merchant is he is, is he, he the type of player you, you hit he's, I've never thought of Yaya Torre like, I know he's what, probably 6'3 and strong as an ox I've never really thought of him as like someone who you would even consider hanging up balls to because his touch is so good and he's, his mobility to get around the pitch is probably not the same as it was could they use Ian Acho like that I've, if you told me he was six foot four, I'd believe you. And if you told me he was five foot seven, I'd believe you. Honestly, I've no idea. <laughs> six one. Is he six one? Yeah. Well, they could do then, but I, I suspect they won't. I mean, that would mean that they'd have to inconvenience David Silva or De Bruyne. So what will they do? Or, absolutely no idea. I, I genuinely don't know. It's. I would love to be able to give you a definitive answer of what Man City will do tomorrow night, but I have absolutely no idea. What will they do? Well, you would imagine that he's going to give Sterling a good run out because he's been relying on Sterling quite heavily recently. He seems to have reinvented Sterling. Aguero's back, so I think you've got Sterling in the mix. You've got Aguero in the the mix. I think you complete that with De Bruyne up front, and I think possibly he might well match the 4-3-3. What's it going to be? I'm intrigued. Uh, do you know what? I, this, this, and this is why I almost don't want this game to be fraught with, with all the nonsense it now is fraught with. It's because it, it should just be a mouthwatering football on occasion where we can all make tons of noise and get behind the Reds. Now, hopefully we're all going to do that anyway. But, you know, it would have been quite nice to watch this, this football match unfold. Whereas, you know, and I think that's why the Liverpool manager, for instance, Adam, I'll go with you on this, has been making all this noise about this is a match I'd buy a ticket for. This is this. this. He wants it to feel like it's an upbeat, fantastic occasion because he sort of knows that what we don't want is everyone's look, looking at this and going, oh God, Chelsea have beaten Stoke 2-1. Yeah, but you know, I don't... It hadn't occurred to me until you were saying that it's now become fraught with all of these things. It hadn't really occurred to me Just that it had. Shut, I? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but the thing is, I think, obviously, I mean, you are right, and you saying it has made me realise it, but... The match still has all of those... Still has all of that importance to it, and I think that... Chelsea are going to drop points and I think once the spell is broken I think they could drop a number of points especially as the season wears on and if in the second half of the season they pick up a couple of injuries to the likes of Costa and Hazard then that's even more likely to happen so obviously you can't discount Chelsea they are in the driving seat and they are in the best position and I agree with Phil that you know if we lose we're in a really really difficult position but if we lose I'm not saying the title race is over you know, I just don't think it is. I just don't, you know, because we've still got to play Chelsea. We've still got to play City again a second time. Um, and so it still has all of those exciting things that you were mentioning. And if we can win it, if we can take the three points for it, we will be absolutely bouncing going into the new year. We are also assuming that Chelsea will win. Yeah. When we talk still about the easiest team to play. I expect them to win. I think they probably will win. But there is also a possibility that Stoke go there. It's an odd time of year where odd things can happen. There is also they the could get a point. They could get three points. It's, I mean, it, I think Chelsea probably will win, but yeah, it, that was, if they were to drop points there, it would change the change, change, change the complexion. And yeah. also, the, the season is being played out as all seasons are in phases. Because at the beginning, six weeks ago, if you just said 
we're going into the last week of December, we're going into New Year's Eve, Chelsea are going to be topped by six points and we're just trying to keep up. Mm. No one would have believed you because Chelsea didn't look like they were going to do that at that point. And after three games, Manchester United have got, what, nine points from nine and yeah. everyone was saying, you know, they'd almost been awarded the league in some yeah. quarters and Mourinho was a genius and then they had two months where they dropped off a little bit and maybe a little bit unlucky with results, but what they did didn't sustain. There was a period where Arsenal looked really good, you know, we were top for a while. Yeah. And it, it's going in cycles that but you also after 18 games there's a lot being a lot gets read into things when there's possibly not as much yeah into and, the, and Klopp's, Klopp's being very very dynamic about stressing that point there it is nothing can be lost in December nothing can be won in December but you also look at where we were this time 2013 and you wouldn't have predicted that we were going to go on the run that we no, were you wouldn't, on. absolutely not. You couldn't predict the run that Chelsea had just been on. You couldn't predict the run we were about to go yeah. on. And we could go on that run again. There's nothing to stop us going on that run again. OK. Uh, after the break, I'm going to be speaking to Dave Mooney uh, from Blue Moon Podcast. And he... We're going to do all the predictions at the end, gents, whether you like it or not. And he is... Uh, He's nervous, um, and I don't blame him. He's coming up against the mighty boys in red. Indeed, handed over to Dave Mooney of the Blue the Blue Moon podcast, Blue Room. Blue Room's an Everton podcast. To, 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 to have how these things go. Uh, David Mooney with me now to talk about Manchester City versus Liverpool and or Liverpool versus Manchester City. David and I have I've had this game earmarked, and I've had it earmarked for months, and I've thought this is going to be you know what I mean. It's going to be the time of our lives. It's going to be a great game of football. But it's suddenly got this fear factor because there's every chance that if either side loses, if either side loses, they find themselves nine or ten points off the pace. And I didn't think that would be the case. I didn't think there'd be a side that was six or seven points ahead of both Liverpool and Manchester City come this stage of the season. If anything, I've talked about this game as maybe we, we beat City to get two points behind them. That's what I'm looking at in August, September in my dream scenario. And yet here we are playing a game with a fair bit of fear. Yeah, I think it's it's weird, isn't it? Because I think both teams started the season like a steam train. And we're, we're I, I think... It, this this season's been very odd so far because there's been three different winners of the Premier League already. Liverpool had won it early on. City looked like they'd won it early on. And now Chelsea are winning it. So it really it really is uh, kind of a, an odd season so far. I think, um, I think City fans will be more worried about this one than Liverpool fans because City's record at Anfield is, I, I think, nothing short of woeful. So there's kind of like the, the, the fear factor comes that... What could happen here is that Chelsea end up beating everybody in the in the next few weeks, and all their title rivals take points off each other, and all all that does is is strengthen their position. So I think um, I, I think both sides will be will be desperate not to lose this one, and that could actually be the worst thing that could happen because it could end up in a draw, which does nobody any favours. Well, that's it. A draw doesn't do nobody any favours, and this is—I I, mean—the whole thing is. Uh, it's 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 just strange that we've reached this point uh, because, as I said to you before, it's uh, it's just become the the pressure is absolutely piled on, and and both sides of you know they've shown a, a couple of frailties in different areas recently. Liverpool maybe lacking a little bit of ruthlessness. City have got defensive question marks, and and now you expect and and the shame to a certain extent is that you know this I, I've always had this earmarked as it'll be a proper ding dong football match, whereas. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to say you think that Guardiola would do it. I don't think Klopp would do it, but it would be understandable if either manager was a bit more cagey than than they often are. I think Pep might be. I think might, he might be tempted. He's been. Um, he, he spent, he's had a real kind of harsh lesson this season. Uh, when he came in, he, he, there was a, there, there's all the song and dance about him replacing Joe Hart with uh, Claudio Bravo and and how he wanted the defence to to keep the ball under pressure. And he, he stuck with that and stuck with that and stuck with that. And he was working to start the season. By kind of the early kind of uh, November time, it, it wasn't quite as, uh, as successful. And at the start of December, it had fallen apart completely. 
Um, in the in the three or four games since, he's become a lot more pragmatic, and he started to to, to kind of say, "Why, well, if we're under pressure and there's danger, we get rid of it." And so you can see him going, "Well, I haven't got the players to do what I want to do, so I'm going to have to stick. I'm going to have to park that for a bit and uh, and kind of do something that these players will suit." So I can see him actually. Uh, possibly being the more likely than Klopp to, to, to go, actually, I want, I want to make sure this is a cagey affair and you know we've got a better chance if Liverpool aren't able to, to play this free-flowing, expansive football. Um, but the problem that that brings is that's when City perform best. So I, I don't really know. It's not really in his interest to make it cagey. I just worry that Liverpool, he'd look at Liverpool and go, well, this team is set up best to exploit City's weaknesses. Um, because I think it is. I think there's, I think Liverpool and Tottenham are the two sides that attack in the way that City fear most. Um, and with the defensive frailties City have got, I I really don't see how how they keep Liverpool out. The only option is to outscore them. City score goals when you know the, the game is is open and, and expansive. So I, I don't really see why why Pep would do that. But I think out of the two managers, he's probably the more likely to. I've been impressed with with kind of how Klopp's got got the team. He seems to have found every single player's best position for that team. I mean, you take the team individually, you probably, as a City fans, probably wouldn't swap most of the players. But actually, on a team basis, Liverpool are working as a unit a hell of a lot better than City are right now. What what isn't working then to sort of focus on that without without sort of dwelling on the idea of playing out from the back, or is that a sort of a key issue, which is that it's set up to play out from the back, but if they're choosing not to do that, it sort of it means that everyone's a couple of steps deeper than they need to be, a bit more conservative than they need to be. Is it a mindset that sort of that 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 is concerned about looking a bit daft, especially after what happened at Leicester? What 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 isn't quite working as well as City would like it to be? Uh, it is. It's exactly that playing from the back um, because that's. You look at how City is set up. That's how Guardiola attacks in a, in a in a strange way. City work best when they've got three or four opposition players pressing their defenders, and then one pass beats all of them, and suddenly they can play on the counter attack. City are, are one of these. It's a weird kind of term, but City are a counter attacking team that see the majority of the ball. So the, the the idea is that actually they, they use the ball in their own half, get the opposition to, to draw them out a little bit, and then two or three passes later, they've got three on two at the other end or four on three. And the problem that City have got with with, with making sure that they're under no pressure at the back is when they, when they get rid of it and they clear the danger, they're just not very good at breaking down opposition that have got five, six, seven, eight players behind the ball. So they've got the likes of Silva, De Bruyne, they've got Sterling who have been, you know, all been on fire this season. But when they've got when they when when they've beaten a man and they've got another man facing them up, the decision making's been a, been a little bit too slow to end up with them then finding the right pass to get through, and it's allowed the opposition time to get back into shape and and, and set up properly. So I think in a weird way, City's biggest problem has been that the playing out from the back hasn't worked because that's actually stunted the attack more than it's. I mean, people focus on uh, the number of defensive mistakes that have led to goals City have uh, have conceded, and, and it has been high. But it's that's not been the biggest issue. The biggest issue has been that it, it's it's just completely ruined the game plan that Guardiola had set up for the season. But it is three wins on the bounce, and it's worth emphasising that one of them up against Arsenal as well, who are no mugs. Um, Hull was an interesting game. I watched the whole game, and it, it was it was it was interesting from the point of view of the fact that Hull played quite well. But it always felt as though Man City's greater class was going to tell, you know. But this is it is three wins on the bounce, and yeah, the Leicester one does look a little bit daft. But this is back to the idea that it's Chelsea who are making everyone else sort of feel in some way a little bit inadequate or a little bit concerned because you know if you if you just took your December results broadly speaking, you'd shrug your shoulders and say you know what we're doing all right and we're still 
still on course. You know, City, both City and Liverpool are going at better than two points a game. And in seasons gone by, you know, you, the, the idea is you just go at two points a game and then from nowhere, if you have one run of six on the bounce, it all looks great. And before you know where you are, you're, you're first or second. And, you know, it's this is where I feel a bit sorry for Man City. I feel a bit sorry for Liverpool, Klopp, Guardiola, everyone else is that at the minute, effectively perfections become this benchmark that you've got to be able to reach. Yeah, exactly. I think I I, I do think the hope is that um, you know Chelsea have had they, they've not been kind of suffering with the injuries and the suspensions that I think City and Liverpool have done. Um, that I think will come in the second half of the season, and they can't keep winning. They, they, surely they can't. They can't go to the end of the season and win every single game from now and then. So I hope not. There's going to be some points that they drop. Uh, and to be honest, if they do win the rest of the games this season, you got to hold your hands up and say, "Well done to you." And you can't, you can't, uh, you can't compete with that sort of form. Um, but I think when it comes down to, to City's recent run, you mentioned the game at Hull. I think what stood out with that one um, is, I think ultimately at the moment, City have got a bit of an identity crisis. They're, I don't know. I don't know if you got this feeling, but I, I was watching about before they scored and before they got to about 65, 70 minutes. I was just thinking, City are really boring. They're just really dull at the moment. There's not a lot of movement. There's not a lot of, of kind of decisiveness in the attacking third. And when you've got a, a, an opposition that are kind of sat deep and not uh, and not budging, it's it's really difficult to watch at times. And I've watched I've watched Liverpool a couple of times this season, and they've dealt with that situation quite well. I felt I think there's been a number of times when they've just gone, right, we'll, we'll we'll just slice straight through. You score a goal, and then what have you got to show us? And I think that's uh, that's probably what my biggest worry is for uh, for New Year's Eve because there's, uh, there's not a chance in hell that you're going to keep Liverpool from scoring. Um, so it, it's down to City's attack to uh, to outscore well, Liverpool. I think this is where I mean you know you actually saw someone pointed out to me that you see De Bruyne do it, and there is this. Uh, what struck me as odd watching City at times is that the good performance against Chelsea up until the point where De Bruyne hits the bar aside. There hasn't been that sort of that general attack and swagger now. If, if, if I, I take you sort of your general point about the idea that they're not maybe turning right sides around fast enough and leaving them with 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 a few too many in front. But for instance, I think Sterling's very very good indeed. I think De Bruyne is you know clearly a really top quality player. There's other lads there who I think are, are terrific. I think that Nalito's a bit of a weird one. Uh, he's the sort of footballer you sometimes end up with at a club with a new manager and who just wants to get someone in who he knows what a 7 out of 10 game looks like. But for instance, Sané looks like he's got he's got tons of ability and Silva's still knocking around. But what I have found strange is what you've just said there, which is the complete the complete lack of wizardry uh, where, you, you you know, I, I keep expecting to see someone break in and be absolutely marvellous, but it, it, it doesn't, you don't quite get to see sort of the, I mean there's a the line that someone says who contributes to our show called Sean Rogers, which I really like, which is that basically goals are scored either because of a mistake, because two or three players do something very good, or one player does something amazing. And City have got a fair bit of one player doing something amazing, but they haven't got that much of two or three players consecutively doing very good things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. They've been, they've, there's been a number of times where it sounds ridiculous for the number of, of attacking players that City have got, and you you look at the number of teams that you know across the Premier League, across La Liga, across Serie A, wherever, that would say, actually, you know, we, we would we would be desperate for someone like De Bruyne, like Silva, like Sterling. It just, the number of times when you look at City's team and go, I just, I don't think they'll score today. It just doesn't really make sense. They should, they should be, be creating chances left, right and centre. And, and, and the biggest problems that they had at the start of the season, in that, in that run of 10 games where they won 10 on the bounce, they were creating a good 10, 15 chances each game scoring three or four. Now they're scoring two or three, but they're making 
three or four, they're, they're, they're taking most of the chances that they're, that they're creating because they're not creating that many. Um, against Arsenal, I, I, aside from the two goals, they had one or two uh, good opportunities, but they, they, they keep, it's almost like Guardiola keeps saying they, they miss the, the ball that sets up the shot, if you know what I mean. They, yeah. they miss the second to final ball. And I think it's, uh, I think it just, they just, they just need a little bit of confidence. And, you know, a, a game, at, a game at Anfield is not one that, uh, that, that really you want to be going into where you are missing chances because, you know, City are going to get chances on New Year's Eve, but I, I, are they going to take enough of them? I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, it's a weird one. I think that the, the positive is that Aguero's back. Um, he's been one of the biggest misses of, uh, of the season so far. He's missed seven games through suspension. And when he's not been the focal point of the attack, the, the amount of movement that they've had has been uh, has been severely limiting at times. There's been players who have been just not wanting to leave their, their area of the pitch. I mean, Silver and, and De Bruyne um, and Sterling all kind of rotate between positions. Um, but it seems to be when the manager says and not kind of out of instinct, if you know what I mean. I think a, a little bit more freedom and a little bit more uh, bit, uh, creativity from them three. And City could be could be right back into it, but they, they, I just worry if kind of like the November December period has has damaged them too much, and they're, they're feeling a bit fragile at the moment. Um, what side are you expecting then? Are you expecting Kolarov to start at centre half? Uh, I think he has to. I think Stones is injured again, yeah. uh, which is uh, really it's, it's come at, at the wrong time. Uh, Kolarov and Otamendi, are, are, I, I don't think either of them are, are really up to up to standard as uh, centre backs. Kolarov certainly isn't a centre back. Um, Otamendi is he's one of them that I think a lot of opposition fans and a lot of uh, kind of some City fans will look at and go he makes those fantastic challenges where he slides in and, and, and takes everything but the, the, if you actually sit down and watch his 90 minutes he gets caught out of position so many times he dives in far too high up the pitch and w- against a team that's going to attack with pace it just the, the, the one thing you want your, your centre-half to do is drop off and say alright well you know we're, we're going to let you have possession there and we're going to you know, guard a bit at the back. And what he does is he, he dives in, tries to win the ball and goes, no, you, you just run clean through. And when you've got a goalkeeper like Bravo that is so far struggling to save uh, one-on-ones and, and shots on, you know, decent shots on target, the last thing you want to be doing is giving your opposition a free 30-yard run at goal before they can shoot. It just, it seems absolutely baffling. And, and so I think with, with those two at centre-half, I think it's it's going to be a tough afternoon for City or tough evening for City. Will he, will um, he, will he do a Sanya at right-back move or will he go Zabaleta? Uh, I think it'll probably be Sanya. I think Zabaleta... The problem that Zabaleta's got is is everyone remembers a Zabaleta from 2012 and he was wonderful. Uh, his legs have gone since then. He doesn't quite move as quickly as he used to. Um, so I think it'll probably be Sanya and then I think it'd have to be Clichy on the other side because there's nobody else that can come in. Um, uh, will he will he go Fernandinho with two in front uh, and sort of match Liverpool up because that's sort of what Liverpool do with Henderson and then Vinaldum and Lallana, or do you think he'll go two sitting because Torre has been useful for him? Um, I think the, the worry with Torre is he's played a lot over the last few games due to because uh, obviously Gundogan's been injured, uh, Fernandinho has been suspended. Um, I would expect him probably to uh, to play again at Anfield. Uh, I would suspect he'll probably sit alongside um, Fernandinho. Or unless he brings in Fernando to sit alongside him and puts Torre a bit further forward, um, I would expect uh, kind of I, I would expect him to try and shore up the centre. Maybe sacrifice one of his uh, more creative players for that because it 
you, the last thing you want to be doing at Anfield is giving Liverpool a run at the midfield. Uh, and so, which of the creative players do you think will be sacrificed? I presume Aguero is going to start, so that leaves us if we if you think we're going to get Fernando, Yaya, Torre, and Fernandinho, that sort of leaves us with two. I presume De Bruyne plays, and then it's toss a coin for Silva, Sane, Sterling. I, I mean, my instinct would be that uh, would be that uh, Sterling would probably drop to the bench. However, I I play him. Um, I think City really miss the pace when he's uh, when he's not there. Um, I think one of the biggest things that beat Arsenal was the fact that they had Sane on one side and Sterling on the other. Both of them are lightning fast. Um, if City want to break away, they need to have some pace in that attack. So I personally would play Sterling. Um, whether or not he's, I mean, he's, he's obviously going to get quite a quite a reception. So whether he, whether or not he'd be up to the challenge is a is a different matter. Um, but I mean, I mean, we saw in the cup final earlier in the year he was he was pretty uh, pretty good up until it came to the point of putting the ball in the net. So I, I think he's he's got it in him to go back to Anfield and and do well. I'd I'd like to see him do that. I think I think he could do a really, he could do a really good job with Milner if he plays him off the right and and tracks one of yeah. the, one of the things that's been happening this season is is we've come up against wide players who were theoretically being meant to be troubling Milner, but then when Milner gets up the other end, they knock off. Whereas I think Sterling, you know, he'll, he'll do a, he'll do a really good job up and down the line, keeping an eye on him. He's so tactically switched on. Yeah, he could do. I think um, and I think that would be a big positive actually. I'd not uh, I'd not considered Milner. I mean, Milner's one of these players that uh, you, you kind of I, I'd forgotten about, if you know what I mean. He, 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 he was always a good, solid player for City, and then um, he's been kind of like the Mister Utility Man again for Liverpool. And I'd, I'd completely forgotten he was there, but you remember he's there when he's doing the job that you see him doing. You go, oh yeah, he's there. Um, so I think uh, he he could be quite an interesting one. He's uh, if if Sterling plays, I think you're right. I think he probably could uh, could do a bit of a job helping pit him back. Um, my instinct though would probably be. Probably be that that Guardiola would say, "Well, I can't drop David Silva. Silva has been quite impressive over the last few games. I mean, so is Sterling, to be fair. Um, but I think uh, kind of Silva and De Bruyne, you go to men for that creativity. So I I suspect Guardiola might start with Sterling on the bench. Um, and this is where he surprises everybody and plays two at the back with five holding midfielders. And what well, I don't know. Well, I was wondering if he might go with the back three, but I don't think he, I just don't think he's got the numbers of centre halves when he's he's already having to press Kolarov into service as an emergency centre half. He's done it with Sanya. He's moved Sanya into the middle. It's, it's been the back three has been a disaster so far this season. It, 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 that was one of the biggest reasons why Leicester was so good um, breaking away. I would be very surprised if he tried it again uh, so quickly until he got to at least to the transfer window to try and bring somebody in. Okay, one other thing I wanted to touch on you because we're in the same boat because uh, on this show we're covering both games uh, essentially. We're, we're from a Liverpool point of view, we're covering City and we're covering Sunderland. And you know, from a, from a Man City point of view, I mean, it, it's a funny thing we moan about the fixture congestion at bigger sides, and, and our managers have both said something about it. I think this game kicking off within forty eight hours of the sort of the next game kicking off within forty eight hours of this game finishing, but. You're up against Burnley, who who have played Sunderland. We're up against Sunderland, who have played Burnley. We've got bigger squads than these players. We should be able to chop and change. Our players are theoretically fitter. It's not an ideal situation, but you couldn't ask for a better game, really, could you, than Burnley at home off the back of this one? I think the the, the big factor is that I think is it uh, is it two points Burnley have taken of of all their away games so far this season. Yeah. It might only be one. I'm not sure, um, but they they certainly don't travel too well, and so you would you would say certainly. Looking at the uh, at the congestion of this city, should go into this going right. Well, we focus on Liverpool at Anfield and then Burnley at home because you know that, that there's they always the old cliches that there are no easy games in the Premier League, but that's not true. There are easier games, 
and uh, Burnley at home is certainly uh, certainly one of those that you you uh, you would never say take your eye off, but you would always say, well, we can prioritise the trip to Anfield over this one because and still feel know, able to make seven changes. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the big thing. Um, so I, w- I would expect there to be uh, to be a number of uh, of changes for the uh, for the Burnley game. Um, I mean, it's weird though because I think City are actually quite fresh because the key players have all been suspended over the last <laughs> kind of um, three weeks or so. Sorry. So City should be coming into these two games quite fresh. Uh, what's your prediction for Anfield? Uh, I don't fancy it. I really don't fancy it. I think I, and the, the optimist in me says City can snatch a draw. Um, it doesn't do anybody any favours, but it, you know, at the end of the season, who knows? Um, I would say the optimist in me says 2-2. I would expect a Liverpool win, maybe 3-0, 3-1. I don't know. Okay, a huge thanks to David Mooney. Let's get back on people out, see what everyone else thinks. Phil, interesting hearing from Dave there. Last time they won was 2003. Yeah, Nicholas Anelka scored about a minute ago, didn't he? And it's very late. And I, I, you can understand why Dave's nervous, to be honest with you. You can understand why you, th- you can see this game going against them. There's a lot of what Liverpool do that me- that Manchester City won't like. We haven't lost at home for nearly a year now, have we? So, you know, if you've not, if you, if you haven't won at a ground for what, th- nearly. Th- 14 years approaching 14 yeah, years if you haven't won there for somewhere for 14 years and that team hasn't lost at home for what it's about 11 months that was Stoke officially wasn't it Stoke in the League Stoke Cup, in the but League Cup but we technically didn't lose because lose we went through but yeah you wouldn't be particularly confident about about walking and strutting your stuff and walking away with three points I wouldn't have thought so it's fair, it's fair enough they've got players they have got players who can pull it out De Bruyne for instance can oh, pull God, it out Aguero yeah. can pull it out we've yeah. seen Sterling pull it out here. and they have got players who can, who can just and, and the worry is that they can they can take a game away from you in five, ten minutes they can be that good <laughs> they can all just hit the heights and then bang, bang, bang yeah. that said so can so we, we. Yeah. we we quite clearly have it I mean for my money De Bruyne is a magnificent footballer he's absolutely incredible player he's Useful to watch, and he can punish you when he's on his game. He can also spoon it over the bar from three inches out, so that that, <laughs> that can happen and has happened to him. Yeah, I don't think it's one he's going to do very often, but it has happened. So he's not he's not absolutely. We wouldn't perfect. all be in the state with him right now if he hadn't done that, though. No, no, this is true. <laughs> we'd be. Um, it was, it's ironic. We'd be. I think we'd be a position lower in the league, and we'd be much much happier. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm quite happy where we are. Yeah, I'd be happier if we were less points behind Chelsea. <laughs> I'd be happy if we were less points. Yeah, that is true. Actually, yeah. If we were three yeah, points, we would six, be, yeah. It'd be much better. I would. If. I would take that. But no, we, we've got the players who can do that to them, and we've got noticeably we've got the players who can punish their back four more than they can punish our back four. Our back four has got a lot of flack over the season. Even no matter. Even no matter. Clavin's looking good. He's that partnership with Lovren is looking decent. They've had a little run out testing against a couple of big lads who want to punish them, and they only managed to get past them once. So I, I have no problem with them. I think our back four can handle their attackers. I think their back four can't handle ours. Prediction for me, Adam, and both how the sense of how you think the game will go and final score. I think um, that I th- I'm fairly certain that I heard recently that since Sheikh Mansour took over at City, Anfield's the only ground they haven't won at, and I think there's a reason for that. And I'm nervous going into tomorrow, but I'm going to put my nerves into making as much noise as possible because I think that's the reason they don't win at Anfield. So my prediction is that the crowd is going to be up for it, the players are going to be up for it, and we're going to win 5-3. Okay, uh, Ian Salmon beat 5-3. Oh, I wish we could, I, I, I'm tempted to go with the 10-9 from before, <laughs> but 2-0 um, to us. Okay, uh, Phil. Just as a side note, there's pubs open at 9am tomorrow if anyone wants to really make Anfield loud. <laughs> oh. um, the Mike Nevin theory of full yeah. commitment. Yeah, so uh, yeah, do that. Well, maybe not 9am. You can wait till 10. We'll let you off. Go at 10. Um, I think I did the thing for City Watch on the, their website and I said 2-1. I don't see any reason why 
24 hours since I've written that should see anything change okay uh, after the break we're going to have a chat about Sunderland because the game's come thick, thick and fast at this stage of the season will nobody think of the innocent podcasters welcome back to the Anfield Rap on City Talk I've had a good break there Phil Blundley and Salmon and Adam Smith uh, and we are moving forward to think about what's going to happen on the second and I, I don't actually think what happens on the 31st greatly Adam influences what happens on the second in that Sunderland are facing Burnley and that's a massive six-pointer for Sunderland they're going to have to put the first 11 out and they're going to have to give it everything they've got and Burnley will work them into the ground and Liverpool have got their huge game against Manchester City and the more I think about it the more I do actually think it just becomes both managers looking at who they've got left standing and what the options would be if they maybe made a couple of lads who aren't necessarily standing as straight as they would like play and then they just go from there but it's going to be it's going to be a pretty I think it could be a very dour affair to be honest with you it feels attritional already doesn't it and we're not even I mean we're not even there yet it does feel like one of them where it just I mean it's absolutely bonkers isn't it like it feels like they've stuck this in just to really make the point to Jurgen Klopp that he doesn't get a winter break like he doesn't get any <laughs> any time at all um, it's the same for t- last year. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same for. It is the same for both oh, teams. I know. I know that. Yeah. I know. I do know. It's, the, it's just like the less than 20, the less than forty eight hours thing. I know it's the for, same for, for, for Klopp and Guardiola, but also for Moyes. Bonkers. Yeah. yeah. Just like you know, it just really feels like a you know a, a stick it in the eye type thing. Um, and I just yeah, I mean, it does. It feels like it's going to be quite dour. And I think the thing is. The big point with with the games recently has been that we're fitter than the other sides and that will carry over into the Sunderland game. So if we're both operating at 50%, we're still going to be fitter. Our 50% are still going to be fitter than their 50% is. Um, how much he rotates the side will be interesting because he's been talking a lot about t- players being in a rhythm and things. So, you know, I think whoever doesn't start out of Origi and Sturridge starts the Sunderland game. Um, and I, I, you know, I just think it's going to be interesting to see whether we see the likes of Gomez on the bench, for example. Try to try to imagine me a team for Sunderland. Sunderland, uh, Milan goal. Wouldn't surprise me if we saw Trent Alexander Arnold start right back and just give Klein a break. I, I he, think he goes he, he Klein. Look, I think he will go Klein, but I think he goes Moreno. I think he, oh, I think Moreno plays hundred percent. I think Moreno. The reason he came on against uh, Stoke is because he wants to get him a little bit of sharpness before he plays against Sunderland. I, I think that's pretty much absolute certainty. Uh, you're going to have to assume Matip isn't fit, aren't you? Um, you're probably going to have to go Clavin and, and Lovren again, unless Lovren gets booked tomorrow, and I think he'd be suspended in that case. And then yeah. if, if we assume Lucas is gone by then... Let me be very clear. If Lovren doesn't get suspended against City and then plays against Sunderland, he will the most get booked. Of anybody who's ever got It's actually, I'm pretty certain the thing expires on New Year's Eve. Ah, right. I think the five bookings thing disappears on New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve these days, okay. Yeah. Um, I I might be wrong on that. Maybe the end of January, but yes, if he does play against uh, Sunderland and he is on a yellow card. And that rule is in effect. I will be opening my odds at one to a thousand on Dejan Lovren getting booked. Um, so then what have we got then? I think Emre Chan, I think Jordan Henderson plays. I think Jordan Henderson plays. Jordan Henderson definitely plays. I think Emre Chan plays. Does Lucas play? Does Lucas come in at centre half? I don't think he'll be at Liverpool by then, will he? There's a rumour he's been in Italy today having a medical. Oh, right, OK. So, if that's the case, he will not be at Liverpool on, on Monday. Um, then I think you probably play... Vinaldum with Chan. You maybe move Lallana further forwards. Um, I don't... Th- I, 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 I think, I think, th- I think Daniel Sturridge starts up front. That's an absolute certainty. 
And then I think he'll play Mane simply because he's going to the African nations and if he exhausts him, it's not his problem for a month. I think it's all going to rely on the fitness and probably there's going to be a lot of sports signs coming into play um, on January the 1st to tell us who's actually fit to play. But given that, we have got a week after that because obviously we've got the FA Cup. Um, I think you're right, Klein will play because Trent Alexander-Arnold will already be in for the FA Cup. I think Mignolet makes sense. Um, I think playing Moreno left-back makes sense. I think there could be a call for Kev Stewart coming to the midfield against Sunderland somewhere just to give somebody a little bit of a rest mm. and give Stewart some game time before the FA Cup. I've I've got nothing to base this, base this on at all, but I have a feeling that we'll see Sturridge start against City and then Origi start against Sunderland. And I've got nothing to base that on. I think it's completely the other way around. I think... Yeah. I think we're basically going to go up to Sunderland with the theory of we're going to win one 0 and Daniel Sturridge is going to score. I think I think Sturridge's I think Sturridge's job for the last ten days has basically been right. You're starting at Sunderland. Everything we do is building towards you starting at Sunderland. You're going to win us that game of football, and you're going to lead That's, these lads. So I, I I I can sort of see your, your money points, Phil, but it wouldn't surprise me if Ojo suddenly just appears. Well, I mean, I, I, I forgot when I said Vinaldo. I forgot about Ajaria, and that wouldn't surprise me either. No, I think I think Ojo and Ajaria are the two who could well. I think more likely than Trent Alexander Arnold. And I think the only reason why I'm I'm, I'm reluctant to say Alexander Arnold is because. If Sunderland go with the lads who just run into the ground, Burnley, and they might not do, but if they do, they'll be looking at uh, Anachibi and they'll put him up against Alexander yeah. Arnold. Yeah, that's, that's and that just feels a bit, you know, it's 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 not the sort of challenge that he's going to be used to, uh, it's fair to no, say. And, and that he's not get, actually going to be used to going forward. You don't get Victor Anachibi in under 23 footballs or players, anything like him. No, I, I, I actually think that it doesn't matter what teams either side go out with. We are probably going to be at an advantage either way because we're either going to be playing two teams of tired players with us being better at football and fitter or we're going to rotate and our rotation will be sees us playing stronger players or you know you mix the two up and it's still I still think we're in control whichever of those two we do I, th- I think there's also key in it that they're playing against Burnley I think their game is going to be much more attritional than our game I think against City, there's going to be a lot of football. There's also be an argument be that if you're Moyes, that you go all out to get three points against Burnley, yeah, and then go, we're playing Liverpool on Monday. We're going to get beat. Let's just, you know, I remember Sheffield United turned up at Old Trafford once and made eleven changes because they had a game a few days before. I, I don't understand sometimes why teams don't play the percentages and, and do that more often. I think that'd be just, just accept, at home. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if it was a way, that's fair enough. But if they if you tell any Sunderland fan that they're taking three points in their next two games, they'll shake your hand and say, thank you very much, let's let's go to the FA Cup next week. I, no, I agree with that. And I also think the Burnley game's bigger in a sense that they, what they don't want to do is let Burnley get to 23 points. Yeah, exa- absolutely. Yeah. Off 19. It's, it's, it is actually a six-pointer as yeah. opposed to... It's like our game. Yeah. It's yeah, exactly yeah, the same as our game, yeah. but at the other end of the table. And that's, Adam, you know, that's that's why it's going to be a fight. I'm, again, these two games coming up, they're just... I'm, Really excited about both of them. There's different things to watch out for in both of them, and, it, and you know, Burnley, 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 Sunderland should should hopefully work in the favour of of, of of both Liverpool and Manchester City. Not least because Manchester City are at home to Burnley the next game as well. You know, the way that that the way in which that's gone, but you know, it should hopefully work for us because Burnley are going to make them run and run at home. Burnley know that this is exactly the sort of game they've got to take three points from if they're going to stay up. Yeah, and I think Ian's point is really interesting as well that that, that Sunderland are really going to have to dig in against Burnley, whereas as much as we're going to be putting a lot into the City game because it's more likely to be good football that somehow doesn't feel as mentally exhausting 
adjusting and things as if you you know sort of backs to the wall and having to never switch off for the full ninety minutes if you know what I mean uh, or or you know what Ian means because I'm basically basically making this point. Um, so <laughs> but making this so much better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tough. The I mean it's a, you know it's a tough game Sunderland, but but. Look, I think if you are if you have pretensions for the Premier League title, then you have to win that game. It's that simple. It doesn't matter when you played last. You know, you, you have to go in there and you have to win it, especially if they're on the back of a of, of a of a six pointer, which that very much is. Uh, I'm I'm going to Sunderland. You going to Sunderland, Phil? I'm not. Firstly, again, missing the season. I'm uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And it always reminds me a little bit of the, remember the Julia game at Ipswich away, uh, when he yeah. basically made to play that. I think that was two days notice. It was Tuesday was it? A th- yeah, Tuesday and we played on the Sunday and we played on the Saturday as well. It was a bit. It was all a bit. It, it was, was absolutely yeah, bananas because we, we were doing that well in every. I think it was. I think no we had to play. To I think we had to play Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, and and we, there was just a dog of a performance from Liverpool. But they got the result they needed, which at that stage was, was only it a point. One, was it one all draw? Yeah, one all draw. Yeah, Hesky, Hesky Hesky scored, scored one all up. Time, yeah, we played four five one. It was ugly as sin. <laughs> uh, I remember glorying in its ugliness, and that's it. Feels a little like this, Ian. You know, it's it's one where if Liverpool do get the result that we hope they get against Man City, and then they get the results that we that, that we hope they get against Sunderland. I mean, this is real being in the trenches together stuff. This is real, yeah. right, lads? We're deadly serious. This is. It's, it's potentially a huge bonding experience, if you know what I mean. None of these players don't already look bonded, but even more so, it's all coming off together. We've just got through that with six points in our back pockets. What are we capable of now? Yeah, yeah. Psychologically, it can set you up for, as I said before, that there's a long run now of home games, which are fairly difficult home games. So it sets you up for that. It sets you up for the fact that you've got a week off, you've got the FA Cup, you basically, you, you know where you are, you've got the time to rest, you can put everything into these two games. And if you can win that game ugly, after, after doing the Stoke thing, after... There are so many things this season where we've turned around moments you wouldn't expect us to turn around, where we've come from behind and we've won games and we've won things with absolute class. We're winning in every different way possible. So winning a game two days after winning, hopefully winning a major game, winning another game two days later and having to dog it out would be just another way of winning. Shows you exactly what we can do and we can do anything. Uh, prediction for me, Phil? I think one. I honestly think 1-0. One 1-0 nil. One nil Liverpool. Um, Ian? 2-0 again, second 2-0 on the bounce. Uh, Adam. 2-1. Mm. 2-1, OK then. Uh, that's been the Anfield up this week. I thank you very much to Phil, to Ian and to Adam. Uh, and because we are... I, I didn't forget your name there, Adam. I was thinking about what I'm going to say next because this show's coming in a different order to normal. <laughs> because we're, we're ending it at 7pm here on Radio City Talk this week. Uh, thank you very much for listening to us. Have a fantastic weekend. And we're playing you out with a banger last night, The Strokes. Podcast Network.